in case you're wondering what's going on here, because of Ferrari-related disappointments, to appease the great Ferrari gods in the sky, Enzo, the Daytona, a, a, a bowl of spaghetti with a lit garnished cigarette as decoration. <laughs> we will sacrifice a goat to the great racing gods in the sky to keep Ferrari relevant until future reference. Hell's heart, I stab at thee. <laughs> and on that note, let's start episode 110 of Motorsport 101. <laughs> The things you've got to do to beat Lewis Hamilton around here, you know, desperate times, call for desperate measures and all that. Welcome to episode 110 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighbour, as Mr. Andre Harrison. Good to be back as always. I took a week. I took a week out. It's almost like I was plotting to come back for like Lewis Hamilton's coronation or something. God damn it! My timing is impeccable as always. With me, as always, we've got the old gang back together. And first of all, in the blue corner, contemplating the loss of his mans. Mr. Ryan Eric King, in the blue corner, Tennessee's second finest, Joseph, well, behind Joseph, I guess. Mr. Roger O'Connell, hello, sir. I, I find it very um, I find it very uh, surprising that a New York Yankee supporter would um, just be so quick to uh, release a guy who has <laughs> to, uh, to uh, yet another um, overwhelming success among a, uh, a litany of overwhelming successes that most of the league around them do not have. I, I find this very shocking and surprising. Uh, go Jeets. <laughs> That, uh, listen, I've done about a hundred of these episodes. That might be the biggest put down we've ever seen on this, on this show. <laughs> Good Lord. No, there, there's, no, there's no greater put down than my own self-realization of realizing that my favorite baseball team is trash and my favorite football team is mediocre. <laughs> like... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna play you the video from Urinating Tree on YouTube about B- Buffalo Bills being a walking landscape of mediocrity. After we're done, RJ, don't worry. We could all bask in our own mediocrity together. I remember, <laughs> yo, that name is bringing me back because, like, I remember when he was still like trying to copy the Angry Video Game Nerd as a game reviewer on YouTube. Jesus, I am old as hell. Places where you can find us, just to get some general housekeeping out of the way, you can find us on YouTube.com forward slash motorsport 101 we're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 we're on twitter at motorsport underscore 101 and if you want to follow us personally on twitter you can at harrison 101 hd at rj o'connell and at ryan eric king that's with two k's and if you really really like us and you come to back us financially you can do so on patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 $5 access gets you early access to both this show and to Bike Live, which also returns later this week. And we will talk about ooh, a spicy around the MotoGP races at Sepang this past weekend. Uh, Andrea Davizioso taking a sick from win of the season in Sepang, but not without some controversy because, hey, we got some team orders, yo. Team orders. Mapping 8 is the new multi 21. Fun times. More on that on Bike Live later this week with me and cohort Lewis Sutterby. So look forward to that. Um, 
And also, big shout out to our new $5 backer, Nathan Green, as well. Thanks, man. Thanks for backing this. Long-time fan on the Facebook page. I've seen your name on there many times. Thanks a lot for backing this, Nathan. Much appreciated, sir. <coughs> Pardon me. Right. So, fellas, shall we get into the main event of the Most One One podcast? Ah, oh, that we've kind of been trying to avoid. <laughs> it's kind of inevitable already here, isn't it? Like, yeah, we could put... into the into the Grande Premio de Mexico. May the good Lord help us all. We can put this off no longer. After this short musical interlude, the Mexican Grand Prix. you know that Max Verstappen is free for free every time Daniil Kvyat gets fired? Nobody uh, mentions that round here, do they? <laughs> uh, I guess I guess Verstappen's really pushing for Kvyat to go to Williams then. <laughs> it's not pretty. That, uh, did you know that Nico Hulkenberg has never scored in a race where Danny Kvyat gets promoted? Demoted, I yes. <laughs> Don't let the fact that Mats Verstappen has won every race after Daniel Kvyat gets demoted from a Formula One team distract from the fact that Nico Hulkenberg has never scored in a race in which Danny Kvyat has been demoted. Sad times, yo. Sad times. More on that later. But um, like we'll, we'll get we'll get the semantics out of the way with Max. I mean, let, let's not. We we know why we're here. We'll talk about Lewis in a minute. But let's not lose sight of Max Verstappen being absolutely sensational pretty much all weekend. Um, was super fast in qualifying, was kind of unlucky not to be on pole position. Um, he basically rustled all of Mercedes' jimmies in Q2 by going half a second faster than anybody else. And everyone was like, oh, Verstappen hype! Might get his first career pole position. Um, not quite, Sebastian Vettel got it, but... Uh, yeah, Verstappen passed him at turn one and never looked back. Um, King, like, Max has just been on fire lately, hasn't he? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, it is undoubtedly... He's in form. He is without a doubt in form. He's making everyone else look silly, albeit, like, it really makes you question, like, is, is the Mercedes really as bad as, like... Is it n- as bad as people s- say it is? I'm pretty... Like, it really makes Mercedes look like the cream of the crop. Besides people saying that the Ferrari is the best car. Yeah, because let's be real here. Verstappen just won a Grand Prix beating Valtteri Bottas by 20 seconds over a 70-lap race. Um, and where was Kimmy? <laughs> and Kimmy was like another 25 seconds behind him. It was like... It was the day of the backup drivers, and uh, if all the backup drivers, Max Verstappen was the least backuppy. Um, more again, well, King, I will discuss your man's in a minute. But um, RJ, yeah, I know you want, I know you want to talk about your beloved bandit, but uh, this was a good, was as, it not? As, as a as a days era Max Verstappen fan, um, no, as a, as a date, I'm I'm, I'm going to claim myself as a day zero. Uh, fan of the driver of the moment, uh, you know, for for the for the likes, for the culture, I guess. I don't know. 
Um, this was a very good race for Max Verstappen, proving once and for all that, hey, Max Verstappen does not have to blatantly bend and cut and skirt the rules to be a really brilliant driver. Who would have ever thought? Hmm. And the Sebastian Vettel camp of the podcast just, just smirks and just, like, squints its eyes in anger. <laughs> so, whatever you say, RJ. Whatever you say. <laughs> Though there is another side to the Verstappen story like the Verstappen story from Cyril Biddable, the managing director for Renault, where oh. he admitted, like, there's a reason why Verstappen was so fast and all the Re- other Renaults had failures, that pretty much they they pretty much gave it 110%, that they kind of not prepared for the reliability issues they might face in the high altitude situation at Mexico City, meaning that, like, it was pretty much win it or bin it for anyone with a Renault engine. Right. So right. You're, so you're basically saying that Renault didn't do any preparation? I mean, same. Uh, no, like, they didn't do, they didn't focus on reliability enough. They wanted to get, like, as much out of the engine as they possibly could yeah. and kind of forgot, like, like, yeah, we're kind of like really, really high above sea level, guys. The air is super thin. Right. So as you saw, the likes of Daniel Ricciardo, Nico Hulkenberg, Brendan Hartley, finally Carlos Sainz Jr. all five fall by the wayside. There was like a genuine worry that, oh, goodness, is this going to happen to Matt's while he's leading? Uh, that would that would have been a thing, wouldn't it? But yeah, four out of four out of the six Renault engine cars in the field failed. Nico Hulkenberg was running in fourth place, or set to match his career best finish until his engine conked out. Um, Carlos Sainz is mentioned right at the end. Brendan Hartley was running in eleventh place when his engine failed. He was having a really good day out there for Toro Rosso, and he he parked it by the wayside as well. And Daniel Ricciardo. Right at the start, after again, he started from pretty much the back of the hook. He started in seventeenth after all the engine penalties were calculated. Oh yeah, so, and we didn't even mention Pierre Gasly couldn't even run in qualifying. Yeah. He'd only got a yeah. handful of laps before the race, so his first real experience at the Mexico Grand Prix was in the race itself with fuel. Yeah, part, uh, before before um, the race itself, Pierre Gasly had run twelve laps of Mexico City. Ever um, in the practice sessions that had come before it, but uh, Gasly ran a solid race in there. But yeah, as mentioned, not the best weekend for Toro Rosso or Renault or half of the Red Bull garage. It's funny if, yeah, <laughs> no, go if, you're, if you're Zach Brown, if you're Zach Brown and McLaren, and if you're everybody that has you know put so much investment in the fact that yeah, getting these Renault engines, these customer Renault engines, is going to be the ticket that brings McLaren back to greatness. Uh, <laughs> well, it's like, well, have I got news for you? Yeah, because Doug, didn't both McLarens make the flag for Honda this time round? And, and, and Lonzo was in the points as well. Lonzo, I think Lonzo was ninth, I want to say, ninth or tenth, something like that. So yeah, like uh, both Hondas made the flag. Six expected the Renaults did not make the flag. Interesting. So, how, how's that Rando contract going for you, Zach? Still confident about it? Ooh. Ooh. He's uh. absolutely confident about it, of course, because, hey, that's opened up the door for other opportunities that we'll talk about later in this podcast. And yes, mm. Fernando Alonso did get in the points. He was a cold, solid 10th. One point. 
He picked himself back on back ahead of Stoffel Van Dorn in the most irrelevant driver matchup chase. Way to go, Nando. Uh, but, uh, right, I, I, I can dodge this no longer. King, what's up with your mans? Val finished 20 seconds behind a Red Bull today. Um, I'm not impressed. <laughs> no one's impressed. You, I, I don't know. I don't know who would be impressed. No one. It's it. This this was not good. Like like. It's it's been one of the under talked about topics of this race was that Mercedes just got completely blown out. That does not happen very often in this era, where Mercs were completely outclassed by Max Verstappen. Who's been in the third best car of this season, and has oh, yeah. basically and, yeah. yeah go on, go and on. this was this was at a power track. This was mm-hmm. at a power track where they should have just whooped some wholesale ass, and they qualified in the second row. Admittedly, Botas wasn't that far behind in qualifying, and you no know, half a tenth. Reason. Yep, half a tenth, half a tenth of a second. And, you know that's still good enough for second place points. Keep in mind, Valtteri Botas was pulling uh, pulling a lot more of his weight uh, for his team and getting them a good championship than, uh, let's say, certain other Finnish drivers. Kimmy. Slumping. Uh, so, King, I think you've got an announcement to make. Yes, yes. I'm now taking off my shirt because I'm no longer a Valtteri Botas fan. King, please keep your pants on for this segment. Uh. <laughs> I know it hasn't been a secret to you long-time viewers, well, listeners. I'm a fan of a certain Spaniard in the field who's not named Fernando Alonso. So all you Alonso fans, just know. One Carlos Sainz Jr., who I voted Driver of the Year last year. Mm-hmm. He's my new boy. He's officially my new boy. <laughs> we have a new boy, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> on the podcast. Our new, our new Spanish son. Welcome aboard, Carlos Sainz Jr. You know, you know what? King's brought home a nice young man, the sort of young man that your mother would love. You know, <laughs> cooks really well. Will take some of the pressure off mum in the kitchen. Has great hair. Will give you great advice. Plays a mean game of Gran Turismo Sport. Um, Carlos, like, he's, he's going to be that new son that everybody just sort of loves because he's just a nice Spanish boy. <laughs> right. Welcome so, aboard, Carlos. So look for everybody to turn on him the second he gets into a dominant <laughs> championship. Yeah, yeah, we're all going to turn him. It's going to be Nando Light by, by like in the next two years. Just you wait and see. King's now ruined him. Thanks a lot, King. Way to go. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> he's ruining everything wholesome and good about Formula One, and there's not much wholesome and good left in F1 these days. Oh. Oh dear, oh dear. Oh, okay. I've just looked at the next bullet point, and uh, guys, we can dodge this no longer. I will have to, through gritted teeth, begrudgingly say Lewis Hamilton, four time Formula One world champion. Woo! Yeah! Shut up, RJ. Shut the fuck up! (laughs) (laughs) Get back in the corner. I will not celebrate this. I'm already in the corner of my bedroom. This is where my recording spot is. Good. I'm going to start kicking you in a minute. So shush. Uh... Know your place. (sighs) Yeah. See, this is the part where if you're listening, like if this was like if this was like a great big audience room of all the listeners of the podcast, they'd all be looking at my corner now, saying, "Well, Dre, do you have any words on this?" (laughs) Yeah. 
Why is everybody looking at me for? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. As a head of the Sebastian Vettel fan club, I have to release a, 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 a brief and uh, very powerful statement. Fuck this, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What, what was it? Was it a hundred percent unexpected? No, I wouldn't even say it was like. <laughs> I wouldn't even say it was like two percent unexpected. This was totally expected, right? Like, like I pulled this up. Like Christina, who of Codemasters, who's a good mate, is a good mate of the show. Sent like sent me a link to the video right at the start of the year. I think it was episode seventy eight. Where I said I thought Sebastian Vettel was going to win this year's championship. <laughs> you were that hope. You had hope. We all had hope, admittedly. And yeah, but way through the season, that was looking pretty damn good. Sebastian Vettel led thirteen rounds of the championship. It all went to shit at Singapore. Nah, pretty much. I mean, well before that. Well before, like. Our, our boys at Marinello, I mean, not our boys, the boys at Marinello, the, the people who put this car together, let the side down. Yeah, for those guys that want to go back and find this clip, it is from episode 78 called Odd Squads and Ferrari Hope. Um, if you want, you can go back and find out me basically putting my balls on the table and saying that Seb was going to win the title this year. And... Uh, I now have to eat a slice of humble pie on this one, but um, I will say, sincerely, congratulations to Lewis Hamilton on winning his fourth title. Congratulations to all you ham capers out there that are probably grinning like a Cheshire cat right now listening to me eat a slice of humble pie. There's the Sebastian Vettel fan of the internet coming out and saying this. This this, this hurts inside. (laughs) This this pains. It's Burns me that now I've got Hamilton alongside us in the Ford title club. <laughs> Who's ready for the fight for five next year? Oh, God, it's gonna I, like this is unbearable, King. Like, if Hamilton wins, a, <laughs> if Hamilton wins a fifth next year, we're gonna start having the all-time conversations, and I'm going to puke profusely into a bucket. I can't stand it. <laughs> I mean. We are talking about the most successful British racing driver of all time. And what can you say? I mean, he's been practically flawless all year long. You know, a couple of minor car gremlins here and there, like it's like in so like in Sochi we had earlier this year, but I I have I I've been asked by many people, like, Dre, where do you think it all went wrong? Uh, you could maybe make a case and say Baku wasn't a good day. You know, maybe leaving a couple of wins on the table to Val earlier in the year by a Carl M42 probably didn't help. Singapore certainly didn't help via a matter of circumstance and just sheer shitty luck, I think, more than anything else. And then, of course, the spark plug at Japan. I think, for me, on a personal level, I would put this down a lot to Lewis Hamilton's qualifying, which in an era where these cars are finding it very difficult to overtake and very difficult to run in clean air, or to run in dirty air, so to speak, track position is king. And when Merckx still has the fastest car in ultimate trim by a good couple of temps, it's probably a bigger factor than a lot of people realise. I think a lot of people on Twitter have gone into point swings and like, what if Vettel's engine didn't, 
do this? What if Hamilton's headrest didn't do that, etc.? I think a lot of people have overlooked the qualifying. I think Lewis has had, what, 10, 11 pole positions this year? Has now become statistically the greatest qualifier of all time. Shut up, Senna fans. Um, <sighs> the post-mortem is not going to be pretty. But I will say, of a matter of pride, I think Seb has been the most entertaining thing about this Formula 1 season by a country mile. <laughs> From overtakes to comeback performances to basically rustling Mercedes jimmies all year long. Because... For once, I actually agree with Toto Wolf that this was by far and away the hardest title Mercs have had to win out of their four. Um, this is the seventh time this this year that Mercs has not won a race. They've 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 only given up eight beforehand before this season started ever in this hybrid era. Um, so they've already coughed up seven this year. So they've had it more difficult than previous years. And Seb was a real thorn in the side, but. We shall fall on our swords. We, like I said, I said the hashtag. We went down swinging, and we went down swinging with another badass nineteenth to fourth. So I will, I will take that, and I will raise my glass of Dr Pepper. I haven't got Snapple on me. Cheers, Seb. You've been a blast this season. Um, more of that, please, and maybe less of the ramming into another car shit. Okay, fags. <laughs> Go on, roast me. You know you want to, fellas. I'm an open target. Come on, mm. punch down. You know you want to. <laughs> I have nothing to punch down about. Vettel drove amazingly. He had the only trouble is that he had to basically drive a perfect season. Um, and when that all kind of happened, that kind of just took the sails out of his championship challenge. And if it yeah. didn't happen in two sudden spurts of two DNFs in the span of three races, it was probably going to get chipped away anyway. Slowly yeah, I... but surely. That's not that's not Vettel's fault. Vettel did his part. You know, the car's better race trim, but as you mentioned, you know, what good is that if it's stuck in dirty air all the time? And we gotta admit that Formula One nowadays, it's it's a championship where it, back in the old days, not finishing a race was kind of a matter of course. Now, not finishing a race or even finishing lower than you expected to might as well cost you the entire season. Mercs have ran 36 cars this season in their 18 races. They have one DNF for the whole year. That was Valtteri Bottas' engine failure in Spain. That's the only DNF Mercs have had all year. How do you beat that? Especially when you've got one Lewis Hamilton in one car and two Valtteri Bottas, who was proven to be, at worst, a very solid and capable secondary scorer. Um something that Ferrari just doesn't have the luxury of right now and yeah like Ferrari's reliability has always been up and down um, it's not the bulletproof V10 era where they pretty much were gifted two titles because of reliability um, yeah you know like you've had issues up and down the field all year long again Singapore you know shit. I think RJ summed it up very well I mean I, I said it on Twitter as well I think Seb would have had to have been practically flawless to realistically have a chance and that's hard to ask for anyone especially when Ferrari probably had to work harder and probably take more risks to try and beat Mercs in in the first place I mean Mercs yeah they've been more vulnerable this year than ever before but 
they are still going to absolutely cakewalk the constructors by a good couple of hundred points by the time it's probably all said and done in November. Um, again, congratulations to Mercedes for wrapping up both titles again. They are a phenomenal outfit, a dynasty, really, of, of, of F1 history now. I think only the fourth team ever now to win four straight years in the constructors. And they've doubled up with the driver's title as well. And, you know, again, we're going to be putting Lewis in the conversation with the very, very best, I think, by the time it's all said and done. And RJ summed it up quite well on Twitter last night where he was talking about we, we've t- we're taking number five and number 44 for granted right now because they are the two best guys in F1 by a mile. And I don't care what anyone tells me about Fernando Alonso in that McLaren those two are the pinnacle of this sport and we are very lucky to have both of them in F1 at the same time in rival cars and that are pretty close to each other and there's a lot of value in that and you know sadly Lewis is a bit of a Marmite character I mean I don't know if you saw his this comments king after the race where in the post-race press conference uh, he said I, I could take the easy way out and stop and retreat like Nico did with these four titles. Yeah, that is like something I would expect from, well, you know, there, there are a couple of people. One lives on 1500 Pennsylvania Avenue. Ooh. Like, that, like, those are the type of comments that are really come up really childish I have to talk about this because you know I miss Nico Rosberg a lot like I think a lot of people no disrespect to Val but because I think Val has been a bit mediocre since the summer break I think a lot of people are only now just sitting down and realizing just how good Nico Rosberg actually was in their four years together to basically give Lewis Hamilton a really good fight pretty much all four years they were together. This should have been obvious in 2013. (laughs) Yes, it should have. Unfortunately, we were all just, I think, too infatuated with Lewis Hamilton in a car that was, well, another car that was silver, as opposed to McLaren. But I think think a lot of people are only just realising just how good Nico Rosberg actually was. But... I I saw a lot of people try to defend his comments last night, and all I will say in response to that is, like, you, like if you're like Lewis Hamilton doesn't need defending. He's one of the greatest Formula One drivers that has ever walked this earth. He had a three and one record against Nico Rosberg. He has nothing to prove to any one of us here or to any F1 fan. By the time it's all said and done, he might actually have a legitimate shot of being the all-time wins leader in F1. That's a scary thought, but he's probably going to have four 10-win seasons in a row, which is ridiculous on by any measure, on any scale, in any era. He is a magnificent racing driver, but I am disappointed that he is such a poor ambassador for F1 at times, because it's like every time Lewis Hamilton... like finds a way to make a situation worse than it needs to be, he takes it with both hands. It's like, there was no need for you to fire a shot at Nico Rosberg because, you know, God forbid the man wanted to start a family, take care of his baby girl, and, you know, start thinking about the next chapter of his life. Um, Disappointing, to say the least. Like, like I... I 
I don't know what sort of person is sitting there having just won his fourth title, and his third in the last four years, and he wants to sit there and think, ooh, take that, Nico. I won my title back. You weren't there to defend it. It's the sort of thing I'd expect from 11-year-olds who've stolen the last juice box in the canteen. That's, that's, that's the sort of, you know, maturity level that I find with those comments. And I, I know a lot of good people out there that have stopped doing many an important... Or stopped many a dream or many a, a career path because a kid's come along. Whether it, by, whether it be by accident or on purpose. And... Uh, let me say this, there is nothing cowardly about starting a family or being a, as good a father figure as you can be. So, Lewis, do better. That's all I will say in response to that. Like, and If anyone wants to add anything to that, feel free, but uh, that's, how I mean, I, that's how I perceived it. I mean, it's like you put it. If, if the worst you could say about Lewis Hamilton, who otherwise, well, apart from this, is... You know, an excellent driver, an excellent sportsman, a a presence that is very much needed in a sport that is very homogenous in one sense. If the worst thing that we can say about Lewis Hamilton is that sometimes he is a bad loser and occasionally is just as bad a winner, you know, it's, that's, it's honestly better than what we get out of some sporting heroes nowadays. But, yeah. yeah, like, congrats. Especially, especially how we started off this show. Yeah, like, congratulations, you're a bad sport. And it's like, yeah, congrats, you're basically most elite athletes. Like, to those guys out there that want to cape really hard for what Lewis had to say last night, seriously, a bad sport is not a particularly harsh comment, really, in the grand scheme of things. Um, Let's put it to you this way. Every time Max Verstappen does well, they put Yoss on the hard camera. Let that be an example. You could be a lot worse off than just being a bad loser. So, trust me. Your boy doesn't need defending. Just take your L. Trust me. It's 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 not a hill that's worth dying on, if you ask me. Um, but, yeah. Congratulations, Lewis. You know, according to Sky Sports, you know, and some of its fans, you know, a conversation for now is one of the greatest British sportsmen ever. <sighs> You know, wasn't they? You know, King. What was the most annoying thing about that poll that Sky Sports News put up? Like, I don't know what was more annoying: the fact that Anthony Joshua was already in there, or the fact that he had twenty-five percent of the vote. <laughs> like, it really seems like British sports media have a very short, like, memory. Like, King, remember? Remember on, on the show where I used to say that like we Brits only pretended to care about cycling. <laughs> Yeah. See how Chris Froome was not on that list and Team Sky pay him like four million a year and he's won three of the last four Tour de France's and he was not on that list of four but Anthony Joshua was because he's one of their biggest marketing names they used to promote their sports network. Hmm. Hmm. Told you. I tried to tell you people. I tried to tell you. It also seems like, like British sport like didn't exist before the year 1999. Yeah, pretty much. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, sod the old stuff. Nah, nah, get out of here. Uh, like, we're only here for the now. Like, Samo Farah, who is dodgy, to say the least. Um, to say the least on that one. Anthony Joshua, who's pretty much an embryonic in terms of a sports star. 
And again, no Sir Chris Froome. Also, while we're here, because I know that Anthony Joshua's probably going to win Sports Personality of the Year when that comes up in December. If Jonathan Ray is not in the top 10 nominations, then I'm going to be very disappointed in you, BBC. Give Bike Racing a goddamn chance. Jonathan Ray is a friggin' legend. Get him on the nomination list, for crying out loud. Um, more about that on Bike Live this week. Ding! But, um, yeah. <laughs> also, no Ronnie O'Sullivan. Dis- disappointing, Sky. Disappointing. <laughs> the man's been the face of your game for 20-odd years. He's won five world titles in the Nintendo He's not in the conversation. Whatever. Okay. Um, but, uh, at, least, at least they got something about having Andy Murray in there, for crying out loud. But, hey. Let's, let's talk a little bit about how we got to this point a little bit because this race was pretty much settled at turn two. Um, Stop me if you've heard that one before. (laughs) Um, This is one of the reasons I don't like Mexico. I think think it's the longest, if not second longest, run to turn one on the calendar. It's a massive, massive launch down to turn one. And uh, Vettel got a good start. Um, Verstappen had to go round the outside of, t- uh, of, of turn one to try and pass Seb. Got aggressive, took it, took the took the curb at turn two. Little bit of contact between him and Seb again coming through turn three. There's a bit of oversteer from Seb on the exit of turn three. He clips Lewis Hamilton's car. Vettel's damaged his front wing severely. Hamilton's got a rear a, a right rear puncher. Both Vettel and Hamilton go to the back. Verstappen dodges that bullet, goes on to win by 20 seconds. Um, Seb was able to handle the dirty air better. Actually climbed up from 19th to 4th in the end. Was arguably the fastest man on track pretty much all afternoon in clear traffic. Or in clear air, I should say. Simply Um, lovely. Just lovely lovely stuff, really. As Verstappen was too busy teasing his engineers at the front with fastest laps. Um, trying to give him a heart attack, bless him. Uh, but uh, Hamilton, I think, eventually finished, I want to say, in eighth place, I think it was. Um, but, uh, guys, I know people are going to make a mountain out of a molehill here, but I don't think there was much to review from that turn one incident. Is there? Mm-hmm. No, I, I think I think what you described it as is pretty much what it was, a turn one incident. Yeah, like... I sat there, like, I could have been really salty and thrown sweat. I genuinely could have been, like, really mad at Max for that one, but I wasn't. Like, I was just like, oh, shit, that's just, that's just unlucky. Yeah, well. <laughs> well I was that's just... not what I've heard. I- I've, seen, I've seen screenshots of, like, a split second where Sebastian Vettel is in the middle of a counter steer, and you can clearly see he's just trying to take out that right rear tire. <laughs> Let's just say I was very disappointed of, of prominent members of other rival radio networks posting said screenshots on their social media and claiming that Vettel did it on purpose. And uh, the quote I used to describe said person was, reaching so hard you might as well rename yourself Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> like, that was me on social media last night. Because, you know... After, like, what happened at Cota a week prior where people thought that Carlos Sainz may or may not have breached track limits to justify Verstappen's cut by using a screenshot of him and Esteban Ocon, who he did not even pass in that race? A week later, we're at this again, <laughs> talking about... Do we, do we have to go to 
even the day before during qualifying where it appeared that Vettel's DRS was open outside of a DRS zone. But which King. Was, which was then retracted, like, within an hour. <laughs> and who uh, Dutch personalities have said uh, the the DRS sign there was CGI placed there by FOM. Like, kid you not. <laughs> This is what we've got to deal with as F1 fans, man. This I want to work with, I want to work at Ziggo. Yeah, that is like some like, that is some infowars type shit. <laughs> <laughs> get me started. <laughs> look at the, look at the before and after pictures, King. It, it's if you, you can see a world of difference. Um, oh god, like guys, please, like. Like, this is a public service announcement to any F1 fan who thinks he's staying woke here. Take it from me. Screenshots taken out of context do not prove your shitty point. Do better. Use video clips. I don't care if you're breaching <laughs> copyright. Like, add some nuance to your discussion, otherwise you're being a troll. It's like... Because I saw people that were like, oh, I'm going to make the shitty point that Vettel did that on purpose, right? And then when they've been found out by people that are actually rational and the voices of reason, they post popcorn gifts of Michael Jackson and pretend like they were actually trolling the entire time. Fuck off. Yeah, that, I hate yeah, shit like that. <laughs> you can't post a full like, you got to get a big bowl of chili. <laughs> It just makes you forget. It makes you forget about the lizard people with the silver demons. So, so somebody get RJ's mans, please. <laughs> <laughs> Whose mans is this? <laughs> King, you were saying? Not my mans, absolutely not. But yeah, oh my god, I forgot what I was going to say. But yeah, like, it, it's that's the standard defect nowadays. I was trolling, I was joking around, like, I wasn't being serious, guys. Yeah, of course you weren't. And uh, I just got a blowjob off the Pope. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, stop doing that, people. Stop. Like, like you know what? It's, it's just the blame culture thing in Formula 1 now where it's like somebody has to be at fault for everything. Like, there's no such thing as six of one and half a dozen of the other anymore. Whenever there's some sort of incident in this race or in any F1 race now, somebody has to be at fault. When, like, there's no nuance to say, well, hey, maybe it was a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Maybe it was a situation where circumstance came into play. One thing led to another. We can't have that. We have to blame somebody. And I think that's the biggest problem with all this is that, you know, someone's got to be at fault. Like, with Verstappen's cut last week, people were saying that Raikkonen was the one that boxed him out, which just doesn't hold up un, 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 under any circumstance or measure. Because, you know, if it's not Max's fault... It has to be Kimmy's fault, doesn't it? You know? Um, but that's what we're dealing with now. Like, Formula 1 has become a game a game of blame culture. And, like, somebody's got to be responsible for something. And if not, then we're all going to know about it on the internet. Especially if, you know, certain racing driver dads come out and say, you know, Ferrari International Assistance is back like, like the year's 2003 again or something. <sighs> Fun times. That again, I, I completely agree. Racing incident, you know, Verstappen was aggressive, got away with it. And let's be real here: the give a car whips, give a car with space rule is never enforced in Formula One these days. Which is why Grosjean got a five-second time penalty when Alonso pushed him off the road when he passed him in the race itself. Like, see, King, does that rule ever get enforced these days? 
No. No. It's a rule that exists. I don't think I've forgotten Monza 2012 and Seb got five seconds and for it. the fact that the cars are so agile that you could pretty much make a case that, yeah, I did give a car with some space, but then, you know, we went further down the road, he didn't get by me, so I decided, oh, he's not taking the space, so I'm just going to close the door. Yeah. And we were all mad about track limits last week because... Anyone? Anyone at all? Arc Fave was the victim of it. Of, ah, ah, of course. Gotcha. Just for putting that one out for one of those guys that were mad about track limits for five days. You know, as you do. It's um, almost like my. It's almost like a, a, my otherwise objective opinions on the sport are, are are subject to change via my own subjective interests. Mm. I've ever imagined. Never. Not in a million years. So we got some a couple of shout outs to give before we move on as well. Um, shout out to Force India who has sealed their equal best constructors finished in fourth place. And the fun fact that Force India pointed out on their Twitter account after the race, you could have run either one of their cars on their own and they would still be in fourth place in the constructors championship. Oh my god! <laughs> like to me. I genuinely thought, at the start of the year, I genuinely thought, yeah, Williams have fourth locked down. There's no way that, that you know, Force India is going to beat them. Shoot, I was thinking oh, Toro Rosso would get it. I was thinking Renault might finally break through, but y'all, Force yeah. India did the damn thing. And I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't next year, honestly. Well, yeah, as, lo- as long as, like, they're able to still be in operation next year, they're going to be 100%. Like, which, which you know, I, I've said it again. Every time you doubt the long-term existence of Force India and their prospects of succeeding, they just find a way to get better. Hey, hey, but they're reaching a point where um, it's not going to be on-track issues that take them out of the sport. Yeah. It's like the, the, the famous slash not so, more like infamous owner could be being called into question soon. And of course, yeah, the, the prize money situation may come into play soon for them as well. Yeah. And let's and, yeah, and let's be honest, a lot of these teams are going to close up soon. I mean, Renault's getting better by the race. McLaren, I think, will definitely be a lot better next year. Like the points are going to be harder to come by for Force India going forward, but they've yeah. got a great team I re- right now. I really don't want Force India to end up like you know, like a caterum or like QPR or like where <laughs> like the owners like basically just fucked off. Yeah, you don't want I mean, that. It, I mean, it's the same owner, so you know you don't have to point the finger too far. No. <laughs> no, you don't. But uh, Force India doing a tremendous. I mean, they have 175 points in the Constructors' Championship right now. The next nearest team, Williams, in fifth on 76, 99 behind. So with only 86 on the table, Force India's uh, fourth place is cemented for another year. I mean, the top five are probably secure. The fight for sixth is going down to the wire between Toro Rosso, Renault, and Haas. That could be interesting. Only six points separate them at the moment. With like, also, if you look at Wikipedia, Toro Rosso's column is annoying because they've had five different drivers this season. It's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, yeah, yeah. You know, the number ten, the number twenty-six, the twenty-eight, the thirty-nine, and the fifty-five. Although to be fair, I think the thirty-nine is just Brendan Hartley's temporary number, not his permanent one, which he's right. now chosen as twenty-eight because Brendan Hartley is going to be sticking around for a while. Yeah. We'll, we'll, no, that's gonna... actually really neat. Yes! 
We'll get to that in the news section very shortly. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's worth saying as well. Esteban Ocon was running in third for a good chunk of that race before the early stop brought Raikkonen into the podium positions. But Esteban Ocon matching his career high finish from Catalonia, uh, where he finished in fifth place again. Great drive from him. And shout out to Lance Stroll, his best performance as well since Azerbaijan in sixth place. Could have easily been top five as well towards the end, but the dirty air was a little bit. Um, a little bit too he's strong. He's top 10 in the points. He's now past Felipe Massa's total. Yeah. I said at the start of the season that, hey, Lance Stroll could actually outscore Felipe Massa in his rookie season. That's you not did. Look, that's not looking so bad right now. Just just, just don't tell the Massa Mafia that they'll be coming for your head. And like, that, like that, that, that fan base is extensive and rabid. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I wonder what they're going to do when Massa's not going to be around next year. <clears throat> King, don't you insinuate such things. <laughs> well, well, I'm not insinuating. I'm just re-reporting facts that have been reported by legitimate motorsports news outlets. Some of which advertise on NBC Sports Network now. Oh. Every single oh. commercial break. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Williams still, you know, their lineup for next year is still up up, you know, up, for, up for grabs. I love that Felipe Massa just doesn't really give a shit anymore and is basically was criticizing both his main rivals for his seat next year, saying that, like, Paul DeResta's, like, DTM results weren't very good. And I don't know what Robert's going to be able to do with one arm. Like, Felipe Massa just doesn't give a shit anymore. And I, I find no shits Massa a lot more fun. <laughs> Even if he is slightly washed as a driver. <laughs> slightly? I was being nice. I'm, I'm in a good mood, King. Good mood. Nice things. Say nice things. Good, also, good stuff. Also, I know it's not our set list, but Kevin Magnuson uh, got sick over the weekend. Mm. Um... And once it all flushed out of the system, uh, he, he suddenly found some extra speed. He finished eighth in a Haas that was looking dead to rights all weekend. He really did. Last looked terrible in practice, but K-Mag rode that thing to an eighth place. Probably his best drive I've seen him in all season. Well done, K-Mag. Um, good shout out to him. That's a good, that's, that was a good spot that I missed on that one, RJ. Um, it was hard to attention because let's be real, only four dudes finished on the, on the racing lap by the time we were all said and done. And one of them was Sebastian Vettel, who was a minute and ten off the top. Um, yeah, not fun. But, uh, yeah, also, like, on a personal level to McLaren, for the sake of everybody and because people will not shut up about this, please have an Alonso be in a good car next year because he was feisty. Fun times, yo. Fun times. He limped his way to a point. He ran Grosjean off the road, and Grosjean got the penalty. And he refused to give in that that ninth place to Lewis Hamilton that easily. Good don't stuff. For, don't forget, he also set the fifth last fastest lap in Q one, knowing that he had an engine penalty. Because Fernando Alonso doesn't give a damn about your, about your damn Sauber. <laughs> Simple as that. Like Twitter was all mad because Ericsson probably would have made Q2 if it weren't for that. <laughs> because Fernando just likes made to troll Q2 people. To, made Q2 to miss, um, Q, miss, miss Q3 by, what, three seconds? Of course. Just, just like the form book suggested, RJ. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, He's still gonna get bumped up the grid anyway. Anyways, um, I give this I give this Mexico Grand Prix um, 
five five lucha arm drags out of ten. I think mm. it, I think you're being nice. I was thinking four. No, I was thinking five too. I was thinking five too. You guys clearly must love your DRS assisted turn one overtakes. Good for you. <laughs> oh my god. Four. Hey, Verstapp- Verstappen had a good drive. It was nice to see Vettel and Hamilton, despite you know their problems at the start of the race, have to race through the field. And we didn't even cover the best part. DJ Hardwell in the house! Oh my god. Rotating podium places. Kimmy spinning in place and taking a sip out of his damn champagne bottle. (laughs) It's like, come on, Kimmy, make some noise! And you can tell Kimmy just holding the champagne bottle, just going, fuck off. And he just takes a swig in front of Hardwell. Good times, yo. Uh, Good times. See? Like, F1's gone completely on the other end of the scale. We've gone from nothing to Michael Buffer and DJ Hardwell in the space of a fortnight. I can get used to this. What are we going to have in Brazil and Abu Dhabi? We're going to have Nelson P.K. Senior do the podium interviews again. Fun times. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, you know what? We'll lift his restraining order just for the weekend and see what happens. No, they're, they're actually they're actually gonna play the Tama de Victoria when the when the winner crossed the line in Brazil. That's what they're gonna do. They're gonna embrace the meme. We like Max Verstappen do Netherlands. Oh, oh no, I don't think after recent comments they're gonna be triumphant about Max to the city of Interlagos. Oh no, I completely forgot that happened. They want none of that. <laughs> uh, so, so look for Matt Verstappen to do to the Brazilian flag Alice Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series 1997 with the Canadian Maple Leaf um, oh. sometime in two weeks. I think it's in two weeks. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> Time is just a construct. It's, it, it's just a made-up thing. Doesn't exist, yo. Doesn't exist. Right. Yeah, just, just, just like Steve McQueen said in that one movie, racing is life. Everything else is waiting. Mm-hmm. Fun times. Right, Mexico out of the way. Congrats again, Lewis. I've just seen that Mark Marquez has congratulated him on Instagram, and now I'm very disappointed. <laughs> Mark, I expected better from you. <laughs> hey, hey. He's just securing. He, he wants, you know, in case they need to get rid of Botas early. You don't know. Mark Marquez make make the switch. To what, KTM? <laughs> <laughs> Not Mercedes, homie. KTM doesn't make Formula One cars. Yet. Mm. <laughs> no. Even as someone who loves KTM, no. <laughs> I mean, the the Expo is uh, it's it's a genuine F1 car, right? Of course. <laughs> yeah, this is just, just a little bounce of performance issues. Mm-hmm. Just, just a little bit. We'll, we'll get it up there. Give it some time. So while King draws up the plan to turn an expo into a Formula One car, we'll play some music and we'll come back and enter the news. some more Red Bull politics because they're always fun, right King? <laughs> right? God help us all. Yeah, so it so turns out 
we we mentioned Brendan Hartley again there in in, in the Mexico segment, but you bet I know what you're thinking, Dre. I thought Hartley was only a one-off at Cota. Yeah, so did we. Um, turns out a week you know, in in the Tuesday after uh, the American Grand Prix. Um, Helmut Marco said, yeah, we're dropping Kvyat out of the program altogether. He's, He's gone, yo. Now. He's free. He's gone. Brendan Hartley is now going to fill in for the rest of the season. So, uh, Hartley and Gasly, the fourth different lineup Toro Rosso has had this season, um, will now be the last for Toro Rosso this year. Because, hey, they've already used their full driver limit for the year anyway. Um... But yeah, so Hartley is in full time. Now I know what you're thinking. Wasn't Brendan Hartley going to go to IndyCar this year? Well, again, so did we. Um, and since so did Chip Ganassi. We weren't the, we weren't the only one. So did Chip Ganassi. Like that, there was already negotiations deep no, in no, play. There, no, there no, was, he no, was hold signed. Up, hold up. Yeah. yeah. All that was missing was Brendan Hartley's signature on the fully drawn up contract for him to race with, no, no, no. with Chip Ganassi in 2018. No, no, no. He was signed. They like, uh, according to Franz Tassatore Rosa, they had to negotiate with Chip Ganassi to get him released from his IndyCar contract. Back payment. Back payment under the table. <laughs> <laughs> Under the table, under the table payment for chips. Like, yeah, chip, we're just gonna take your man's. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot for that, man. Yeah, yeah, chip. yeah. Like, here's some cash, chip. Hire whoever you feel like. <laughs> yeah, we just whoever you feel like. Who's on the board? Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a reigning rookie of the year who might have been more impressive than the other highly publicized rookie at the Indianapolis 500 who genuinely could have won it. You mean mm. you mean you mean part-time British person Ed Jones? <laughs> part-time British person. Watching <laughs> Brit, he is no longer a struggling Emirati. He is now a plucky Brit. Yes. <laughs> Yo, but in all seriousness, that is a ballsy damn move. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Ed- it is it is ballsy from a lot of camps. Ballsy for Tarosa to be like, hey, Hartley. We want you in our Formula One car. We we know we dropped you from the Red Bull program, you know, a couple years back, but we want you. See, and, see, Danil, <laughs> there is still hope that you can find your way back home. Somehow, I'm not so sure about that one, but hey, you know, hope, hope is hope is a cruel and fickle mistress. Ask anyone to put money on Ferrari to win the world title. Oh, shit. Um, anyway. <laughs> Ed Jones going to Chip Ganassi Racing for 2018, and I was like, everyone on Twitter, like, this did not, a lot of these deals sort of leak out a little bit on the news sites before they actually come to fruition. This one was a complete shock. No one saw this coming um, on on the interwebs, outside of, you know, rumor mill columns that IndyCar fused to fill up the offseason. NBC, I'm looking at you. (laughs) All of you in your silly season columns. Um, But uh, yeah, Ed Jones is a thing in Chip Ganassi and their two-car team for next year. I mean, you get get the honor of backing up Scott Dixon. That must be great, right? Mm, Like, Scott Dixon is great. So, you know, Chip is great. But seriously, Ed Jones, what do you guys make of that one? That's a a whopper. Hey, 
He, <laughs> Chip Ganassi likes winners, and he thinks Ed Jones could be a winner. Yeah, I believe it. I don't know who the quote came from. I want to say it was Mike Hole of Chip Ganassi that said, we like to have guys that don't need to be taught how to win races. And if you look at Ed Jones' record in Indy Lights, you see a guy that was winning races, tied Greg Moore and Paul Tracy's rookie records for the most wins to open an Indy Lights career. Again, almost won the Indianapolis 500 on his first year out with Dale Coyne. Yeah. By any account, Ed Jones was fantastic last season. Um, across the board, was 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 strong almost everywhere, apart from maybe the the, the, the short ovals where you know Dale Coyne just isn't that great in general. Um, but yeah, Ed Jones, I was like, whoa. That's a kind of left-field move, and I actually really liked it. I think that's a great move. I think Ed Jones is a great talent. Um, and, you know, we need some British influence in IndyCar at the top again, right? Am I right? right. That's you know. true. Haven't, and, haven't had that really since Dario Franchetti was at Ganassi. Also, it's pretty awesome to see a guy like, here's a guy who three years ago we thought his career was done because he mm. hurt his back twice when he was in Formula E, and we were all kind of thinking, is this going to be it? Then he jumps to America, and whoa, now. All of a sudden, some things have happened very fast. Yeah. Um, another piece of the IndyCar silly season grid coming together. I mean, we, 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 got, we got the news last week about SPM um, confirming Hinch for another year, and Robert Wickens to join him. So now Chip's team is set with Dixon and Jones. Um, still waiting on some of the other stuff to come into play, but we're, we're, we've got a pretty rock solid idea about most of the grid now. Still waiting to see what this, what I think some of the newer teams are going to do. Whether Carlin wants to run full time this year, um, what Jinkos are going to do, what's their plans for the whole yeah. year, etc. Kyle Kaiser and Junkos are running the month of May and two yet to be announced races with the potential for more, depending on sponsorship. Mm. Um, also. Just after coming back to social media after totally not doing the amazing race latest season, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Connor Daly finds himself out of work. Of course. Somewhere you can hear Danny Brennan furiously crying into his diecast 118 of Connor Daly's car at the Indy 500. Fueled by bacon, of course. Sad face. Um, Yes. Yeah, it's it's looking very likely that it's it's going to be Team Brazil at AJ Foyne Enterprises. No, they're not going to get Elio Castro Neves, and no, Vitor Mera is not throw, walking through that door. They're going to Felipe, get, baby. No, it's it's not even going to be Felipe. Uh, per Marshall Pruitt at Racer Magazine, it's more than likely going to be Mateus Laced, Freedom One Hundred winner, who's going to get that seat. Oh, so wow. that's why Matt quit doing MSTF one. Uh, that explains oh. everything. Apparently, this is being funded by Brazil's uh, major sporting television network that shows the IndyCar races. Yes, which is like the most insane thing to me. Wow, it's it's, it's like MotoGP next year because like Xavier Simeon is being directly funded by RTL for his seat in Avintia next year alongside Tito Rabat. <laughs> is it? But but basically. What the the network's fear was that uh, Brazilian interest in the series would like completely drop off the face of the earth without Elio, with Kanan going to Foyt. Like, pretty much, why should they care about watching IndyCar anymore? We can't see Helio's magnificent hair and occasional podium finishes. <laughs> no! 
Um, God. Like, I must admit, though, it is a little bit annoying that, like, every time Foyt has a bad year, he blames the drivers rather than the car. Because this, this is, is like... the third... This, yeah. If this goes through, it's the third different driver lineup they've had in as many years. Sandra and the third Rams. time they've cleared the decks as well. Not, not just yeah, one yeah. driver, but both seats. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he meant by lineup yeah. change. Like, yeah. the entire thing. Just like, yeah, everywhere. Both you guys, you're fired. Like, what? Somebody give Carlos Munoz a goddamn seat for next year. And I'm not saying that just because he's been on the show. Like, give Carlos Munoz a goddamn seat already. <laughs> and if he can squeeze one in for Connor Daly, that would be nice too. <laughs> um, but yeah. You know like, who probably needs to form the uh, the other half of an all American Voltron over at Ed Carpenter Racing? Just saying. Just saying, just Connor. Just saying. Yeah, he's. Pro- like, it's, it's no secret that road and street courses are his strong point. Mm. Just saying, you know, for, you know, Team America. It's like it's almost like they really shouldn't have dropped J.I. Hildebrand or something. I don't know. <laughs> Just a thought. But uh, yeah. yeah. Speaking of IndyCar, it looks more or less penciled in that we're going to have another uh, race added to the calendar in August. You know, you guys like that Mexican Grand Prix? Good news, you're going to get another one next year. Only in IndyCar, because according yeah. to the race, yeah, because according to uh, uh, race organizers, they reckon it's a quote ninety nine percent done deal that uh, we'll have an IndyCar race at the Mexico City track next year. Yay! Yeah. And the races at Mexico City back in the mid two thousands were a pretty damn big draw, especially when you have a contending Mexican driver on the grid. Now you don't want to have one right now, but um. Dale Coyne now has a vacancy of that number 19 car. Does it go to Esteban Gutierrez? Does it go to R.C. Anderson? Does it go to um, somebody whose initials are literally TBA? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, on the Friday at St. Petersburg, RJ, you know how this goes. <laughs> on, on the Friday at St. Petersburg, about 15 minutes before practice starts. Ta-da! It's Vortier again! Yay! <laughs> Well, everyone's shot, no. like, meh. Eh. You know, all French team. It's A1 Grand Prix again. Yeah. Oh, no, no, don't, don't come in here with that. <laughs> don't come in here with oh, that Twitter King, hype. King, King, it could have been worse. You, it could have been track. <laughs> okay. Point, That's true. Point taken. But uh, yeah, IndyCar most likely going to Mexico City in August next year. That should be fun. Looking forward to that. Speaking of fun, McLaren once again are doing Uncle Zach Brown cool stuff in the off season. Um, Definitely got, not conflict of interest. Definitely not, not conflict of interest. And hey, if you want to add star power, you know you're losing Jeff Gordon, but you're gaining one Fernando Alonso. Oh, and you're also gaining one Lando Norris because that's two thirds of one of United Autosports Lige prototype lineup for the Rolex 24 at Daytona. This is already a pretty stacked-looking grid. I mean, yeah. have, you look, have you looked at Team Penske's driver lineup, which is going to have Elio Castroneves of Juan Pablo Montoya and their combined five Indianapolis 500s competing full-time for them? Oh. And that's before they added Ricky Taylor, and that's before you consider that Simon Pagano and your boy Graham Rahal in part-time. Who, whose man's is Graham Rahal's all of a sudden? <laughs> That's news to me. Um, but yeah, like, 
I think it was Tony DeZeno on Twitter just said, hey, like, it looks like Daytona might have a better driver lineup for it than Le Mans by the time we get to the middle of the next year. And he may have, he may have a point there because it, it is stacked for Daytona the next year. Just saying. Like, I mean, imagine that. Like, hey, United's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can have Fernando, but only if you get to give Lando Norris a chance as well. What's a drawback? <laughs> what a drawback. The young kid who might actually be who has a chance to be just as quick, if not quicker, under a given context. Just saying, it's not a bad deal. Not a bad deal. Um, and if okay. nothing else, it inspired the greatest memes of all time. Indeed. Who doesn't love one of those places Lando and Nando would rather be? Um, also, for those guys that... Sorry, moving on from it real quickly... For those guys that uh, loved uh, our infamous segment talking about some of the greatest sports fights in in uh, out there in, in many a times, which is still one of my all-time favorite Motorsport 101 segments. Ladies and gentlemen, we had a, we, we had a fracas in NASCAR this past weekend. We have a fracas. Over to our flight correspondent, RJ O'Connell. <laughs> well, fans, we're going down here inside the paperclip, the famous paperclip of Martinsville Speedway. Uh, Chase Elliott was about to win his very first race and then swoops in one Virginia native, Danny Hamlin, who just runs right in the back of him and punts him out of the way with less than 10 laps to go. Hamlin doesn't go on to win the race. That goes to his teammate, Kyle Bush. But nobody yeah. was talking about that after the fact. They were all talking back that Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin were about to scrap. And here is the most surreal thing. Virginia native Denny Hamlin at a Virginia racetrack is getting booed for dumping Chase Elliott, who was getting the overwhelming applause of the crowd. Yeah, well, that, that, that takes some doing. <laughs> yeah. And in, like... in, in fairness, um, Denny admitted after the race that, yeah, he shouldn't have wrecked him. Really? <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it did take a lot of chilling out because he did drop a BS bomb on live television. But that was the least of Denny's worries, though, given what happened after the race. Isn't that right, RJ? Yes. Big. We had a big Billy. We had an Alan. <laughs> <laughs> we had Alan, Alan is the kind of guy who will buy a brand new Camaro because they have more money than cents. And then have a few beers and drive it right into the river in the middle of downtown Houston. Well, <laughs> some big boy with a big old beard decided that he wasn't taken too kindly to seeing his boy get knocked out of the race. So he wanted to fight Denny Hamlin himself. <laughs> Wait, standing at six foot four, weighing in 325 pounds, here's Big Billy! <laughs> oh, it, it was like this guy seemed genuinely like really upset that, that Denny had wrecked his boy Chase Elliott. <laughs> yeah, um, like that was that's just getting back to like some of the old school kind of NASCAR stuff. Like you say, NASCAR has lost its base, and yeah, it actually <laughs> kind of has because the rule changes and constant change of product kind of alienated everybody, but. This is kind of like, this is kind of like, yeah, you get that emotion that you don't see in a lot of other sports, better or for worse. 
Yep, it's like this is peak NASCAR. I was watching the clip and I was like, "This is peak NASCAR right here. This is this is so NASCAR right here." It was hilarious. Um, <laughs> then he was about to fight Big Billy. Luckily, the sheriffs came down and, and uh, ended the fracas before it got out of hand. Before it became a full brouhaha. Um, so sadly, it was more of a skirmish than a real fight. But uh, shout out to Denny Hamlin for. Uh, going viral for a day or two that was fun for a day and it's still probably not even the uh, the most interesting nascar fight of the month because i've just posted in the chat a clip from a short track in rural indiana uh, uh-huh. where a race car crash led to a fight and then drivers being tased with sun guns and what arrests whoa, whoa. A figure eight Whoa, 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 King! We have to watch this video now. Like we have okay. to, we have to show live reactions to this. Yes, okay? this is this is our live reaction here. So I'm about 25 seconds into this clip, and this person is mad that they just got punted off the road. Um, okay, so okay, okay, hang on. Should we, should, should we just go back to the start and watch it all together then? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'm, I'm at zero. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm at zero. Let's, okay, uh, let's, let's, we'll let's... play three, two, one, play. All right. We're we are having our live reaction to this uh, to this very yeah. entertaining figure of eight fight. Uh, this happening in Anderson, Indiana. This week on Destruction Derby Raw. <laughs> oh my God, I miss the Destruction Whoa! Derby games. Oh, that the, is a blatant. That's a sp- that is a blatant. Yeah, take him out. Hit. That's a spin out. That's a that's that's he, he was taken out there. The car's not working. He's trying oh, to get out of the grass working. patch. He's doing burnouts, and oh, he almost Uh-oh. got T-boned in the driver's side. Yep. Oh, now he now B- big boy is angry. Oh dear. <laughs> he's he's pulled he's pulled up alongside. He has his breast cancer awareness helmet. He is doing burnouts for the crowd. <laughs> yep. He, he doesn't care anymore. <laughs> so I'm going to put on a show for these fans, one way or another. This is great. And it drives into the oh, oh my, my god. <laughs> Oh he just, he just ran used... over the top of him. Oh, he got out of the car so quick. Man, this guy is husky. Oh, <laughs> we have another big Billy here. We have another. Oh, he's oh, gonna pull boy. him out of the car. I've never seen him move so fast. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. He's, oh, he's, he's, oh, he's throwing down punches. Oh, he's, he's down punches. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ! He, he's throwing about fifteen strong ones in there. Oh my goodness! Here comes the medical team. Here comes the cops. The, oh, oh! Oh my God! Oh, he's been tased. Oh, he got tased. <laughs> he got tased. Oh my God! He's just so chill about it. It's like, yeah, I just got tased. No big deal, bro. Man, 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 this ain't nothing. I'm taking a, I'm taking a bug shot right in the hind end. This will be fine. Oh my god! And I he's being arrested live on the side of the track. Appreciate what you do here, partner. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe on the podcast we watched someone. This is the craziest racing fight I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> he he's literally being arrested and then being put in the medical car. To go down to the station. <laughs> his, his, this his is amazing. Shirt, this is fantastic. Bars on it. Oh my god! 
I love this show. I love this show so much. May we never stop being ridiculous. We just watch somebody get tased at a race circuit and arrested. I love this shit. Oh my god! Like I, I have to, I have to get Nor out of pseudo retirement to put that clip on YouTube somehow. That is amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, I I had never actually seen it. I'd heard about it, but that right. was my first time watching it through, and I was just like, "Yo, <laughs> that actually happened!" Oh that my, actually happened! Oh my god, that's that's crazy. That is ridiculous. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, one more bit of news to get through, and then we'll crack open the mailbag for this week. Uh, RJ, tell us about the Rally of Wales. Um, so admittedly, I've kind of checked out on. The World Rally Championship because there is just so much going on at once, and you're and you know uh, when it's not like the winter when Rally Monte Carlo and Rally Sweden are going on. Eventually, you know all this racing starts up at once, and you just kind of push it out the side. You no, know, you just know it's there. You know it's there, but you're not like actively watching it. And then mm-hmm. I heard that uh, Welshman Ev- Elfin Evans had won the uh, the Welsh Rally of Great Britain, which is a pretty big deal because he's the first uh, Welsh native to actually win the home race, which is a pretty big deal. And here's something else that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, Sebastian OJ won his fifth consecutive title after making a last-minute switch to what is altogether now not actually a factory team, but we had seven different winners. We had seven different winners this year. This is a happens since the early 2000s. Only Neat. one of them is above 34 years old, and three of them are under 30. It's amazing what can happen to the World Rally Championship if you give young and talented drivers, which is something that the series has had in abundance, opportunities to succeed. All four of the big teams have won races. That's that's Ford M Sport, that's Hyundai, that's Citroën, and that's Toyota in their first year back. And Volkswagen also pull out. Thanks, Volkswagen. No. <laughs> Volkswagen is still about one-third of Chattanooga's economy. It's fine. <laughs> they no longer build a new shopping mall every time Sebastian Oje wins a rally, but still doing a lot of work for us. Good stuff. That was our rally report. Let's crack open the mailbag. And we've got a lot of questions this week. You guys came through hard this week. Well, congratulations to you guys. Okay, I'm going to combine two questions in one because they both kind of say the same thing. Shout out to our man Miles, who's a who's a big Patreon backer for us for a while, and Brian Denon, who runs our fan Instagram page. I can't remember the exact username off the top of my head right now. It's something like Motorsport One One Underscore Fan Page. Go follow it. Like Brian, Brian does good stuff over there. Thanks, Brian. And uh, Miles says, do you have high hopes for 2018 with Merck's Red Bull and Ferrari plus McLaren? Could be great if one, one could be great one if Dirty Air doesn't become, or doesn't screw F1 over brackets again. Similar deal to Ryan, you asked, with Mercedes losing seven races this year, almost as much as the last three years combined. Are we going to see the field close up even more in 2018? So kind of both into the same thing, really. Nah, the hope is that it closes up. Uh, the reality is that anything can happen, and Mercedes might probably pull away further, and Ferrari oh, will God. lose ground to Red Bull because that's what's that's what we're trending in. Oh God, that's a very real possibility, isn't it? Jeez. Yeah, that that's scary. Yeah, that is a real possibility. 
Ferrari and Red Bull beat each other up for silver while Mercs just curb stomp everybody again. Oh, God. But also, point. Will McLaren actually be, like, a race-winning, like, contender next year? Will they actually be able to this will be this will be the, This will be the litmus test, because if nothing else, they've had their chassis have reported to be very, very excellent. Just down reportedly. on power. <laughs> Reportedly. That's what every McLaren fan has said since 2014. Oh, our chassis is really good, you guys. Well, is it better than Red Bull's? Because if it isn't, I don't know why we're having this conversation, quite frankly. But don't worry. The jump from McLaren from McLaren to Renault will have exponentially, like, maybe, like, a 1% difference. Sweet. Optimism, you guys. It's in abundance here. Um, question from uh, Dom at Spitfires2007, who asks, Will we see a brand new world champion next year? i.e. Ricardo Wolverstappen brackets dare I say Van Dorn oh I, lo- I, was about to- I thought that was going to be Botas but oh my god or, or repeat oh, no I- it's- <laughs> optimism like I said, out the arse <laughs> like I said earlier in- earlier in the show it's probably going to be a fight for five between Phil and Hamilton really that's, that's Van Dorn a- that's not a bad thing Stop yeah Van that's Dorn. not bad Mm-hmm. No, don't don't talk bad about my boy stop Van Dorn. I think it I think Van Dorn, like, it mainly depends on the state of McLaren. Very much so. And I'm, and Fernando is still Fernando. It's it's kind of a problem. Um It's kind of a problem. Yeah. And for, another, for for the field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you sassy bitch. Um Yeah, Miles also asks also, follow up with how close the front is getting again. Could the twenty twenty one regulation changes ruin the competitiveness of F one again? Should they leave the regulations alone? Ooh, that's this is the same argument we got into like twenty thirteen. Yeah, it's like guys, it's actually kind of close. Are we sure about this? <laughs> Uh, I I don't know. Um, That's the thing about new rules. You're kind of venturing into the unknown and opening Pandora's box, and whoever's good out of the gate tends to do very well. Um, And then it's a matter of waiting for everybody else to play catch-up, and who knows how long that could take. I mean, in 2009, it was was, was half a season. In in 2014, well, we're still kind of playing catch-up. So uh, who knows? And this is, and keep in mind, this is going to be the first set of wholesale regulations changes that was conducted entirely by brand new leadership. Mm. Yeah. It's it's almost like almost going to be uni- unilaterally made by Ross Braun. Made a good lord help us all. And in theory, <laughs> Ross Braun knows what's good for racing and knows how to make a good product. Um, so maybe we start to see. Maybe we start to see, you know, it geared towards more like cars are harder to drive, have less topside aero in the in the exchange for ground effect, you know, a simpler engine that still puts out a ridiculous amount of power, um, more flexibility in the rules. I don't know. Mm. You, you gotta you gotta kind of hope they get it right. Yeah. 
Here's hoping. Speaking of which, ties in quite nicely with uh, Smadge1 on Twitter who goes, are Liberty going to take the initiative from the general lack of overtaking of this year in F1 and sort out a moderate rule change solution to push through for 19 or 20, pre-21? Sounds unlikely, but they have generally had a get-shit-done attitude so far. Yeah, they're going to get stuff done in the new regulations, but the thing is, we're going to have to wait for those regulations to come into effect. And there are things about Ross Braun's mentality about F1 that I personally don't like, that he thinks that uh, ground effects is not the solution. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All of a sudden, I'm not so sure about this, King. <laughs> I mean, I've known this the whole time. Like, he's made it pretty clear, like, anytime overtaking is like... He, he knows that dirty air is an issue, but he doesn't think that, like, ground effects is the ideal solution. What do you think is the ideal solution, then? He doesn't know. If you slash the topside arrow, um, I mean, yes, you make the cars harder to drive and you make them easier to overtake, but you also, you know, you also lose that, um, that much-vaunted spectacle of new lap records being broken because altogether now the cars are not going to be as fast. Yeah, but 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 RJ, man, like, who will be the beloved intern that gets to push the new track record button graphic seventeen times during <laughs> qualifying? The, oh yes, the Tom Carnegie button. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think we should take a note from IndyCar. Where IndyCar realizes that yeah, new track records are flashing and all, but like again, it doesn't make the quality of the racing any better. Because do we still not forget that uh, that? At the start of the centennial era, at the start of the 100th anniversary of the Indianapolis 500, the Speedway announced that they wanted to break the track record by the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500. And pretty much they realized how ridiculously unsafe that would be, and they pretty much threw it out the window that we're not going for the track record anymore. The track record is going to be what it is for pretty much the foreseeable future. As our dear friend Sarah Connors once said, always be yourself, unless you can be IndyCar. Then be IndyCar. <laughs> then be yeah, IndyCar. pretty much. Uh, Brian also asks, with Max getting two wins and 80 points in the last four races versus 63 in the first 14, what's changed in Max, and is his success good for F1? His success is good for F1. He just needs to keep on the straight and narrow and, you know, not take up after his father's worst habits. Uh, mm-hmm. Care to explain why, RJ? Um, Matt's made some very rude comments, um, again, to the press. Uh, described, I don't know who it was that he's described as a Mongol, short for Mongoloid, which is a deeply offensive term to anybody who works with people who are afflicted with down syndrome um i get being i get being an edgy 20 year old hothead because hey that was me at my age but you have but i did why wasn't in the profile of being a an elite formula one driver Matt's can Matt's can ruffle feathers on the racetrack he doesn't have to be like a human shit heel away from the track to ruffle people's feathers and to cause controversy and intrigue on the track all they have to do is exist. Yeah, like, like people like, oh, I want F1 drivers to have a personality. This is what I want. Like, there's a way to have a personality while still being a respectful human being. Yeah. Right, you'll find, you'll yeah. find most of the better heels in pro wrestling nowadays. You know, they're actually 
really good people away from the wrestling ring. Yeah, and very e- true. even like their character personas as villains don't really put people down. They just mainly think that they're the greatest thing to exist ever. Yeah, they're panto villains. That's the like they're they're, they're basically playing pantomime rather than anything else. So yeah. I mean, for me, nothing's changed in Max. I just think he's had a bit more of a rub of the green reliability-wise compared to the first half of the season, where which was basically a write-off. Like, like yeah. I, I don't think Verstappen is any better than we thought he was. I think he's just fallen into that Daniel Ricciardo slot of being there to pick up the pieces when other when you know the top runners fall. You oh. mean Daniel feasts on the weak Ricciardo? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> are you saying are you saying that Matt Similian Verstappen also feasts on the wake? Yes. Just a little bit. I, I'm not saying that he's like, you know, a below average driver or anything. He's still probably one of the best guys out there. It's just that the Red Bull isn't really that fast. But hey, he still blew out your man's by twenty seconds, so ha um <laughs> Whoa, whoa, my former man's get that straight. Oh, he is, oh okay. He is, now, he is now my man's. I am considering Valtteri hashtag Botas Botas a reclamation project. <laughs> more more hype for next year. How from Len M4 who asks, how do you think the twenty nineteen season will go with Mercedes of Lewis and Ocon, Red Bull with Max and Ricardo, and Ferrari with Seb and Signs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that just depends on who's going to be at McLaren. Is it is it Lando's time to get called up? Does somebody try and lure lure um Lando Norris Lando Norris away from McLaren? Who put Chris Cook in RJC? All of a sudden, getting the names mixed up. <laughs> be sure to comment in the comment receptacle section below for the for your feedback on this section. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, me personally, I think if Red Bull had a half decent car, they would win because I think Red Bull's got the best driver partnership in F1 with Verstappen and Ricardo. Um, Signs is great. Not sure about him on the, on the, at the very highest level just yet. That would be very interesting. I think Gokon's a very safe pair of hands, and I think you could, you could put him in that Mercs right now, and he'd be immediately contending for podiums and wins. Um, Mm, probably would still say Mercs. Safe pick. Y'all, um, we are going to get so spoiled by Esteban Ocon and Matt Verstappen rewriting their F3 rivalry on the big stage. That's going to be nuts. Yeah. Uh, Henry asks, Henry Chapman asks, uh, what motorsport series that is now defunct would you want to see back? D- dare, dare, dare I say yes. I rock? Yes, yes. Put it down. Track. Mm. We're bringing back track. I know it never actually raced, <laughs> but it's but it's coming back. Team uh, racing auto circuit. Nice, good pick. I I I'm a big fan of anti gravity racing, so yeah, I think we should just bring back Wipeout Free at this point. Personally, um. <laughs> we can't bring it back. It's not going to happen for another hundred years. Yeah. It's retro. It's retro. It was on the, retro. It was on the original. It was on the original PlayStation King. You know that's, that's true, but we're we don't yet have the infrastructure to build a ten-story downward spiral in the middle of a Grade One FIA circuit. Damn it! Say it. Say it with me. Build that spiral. 
build that spiral. That spiral. <laughs> We're going to build a spiral. <laughs> Oh dear! Um, See, hundred feet a, higher. Hundred feet higher. That's how you enforce track limits. You just build all tracks like wipeout. <laughs> Sweet. There was no runoff area back in those days. <laughs> it, it, or as Lucas would say, a fucking concrete wall. <laughs> Fun times. Danny Brennan asks, "Who from F Sky Sports F1 infiltrated C4 slash David Coulthard, and what can we do to avert this crisis happening again?" I think I know what he's referring to. Basically, he was referring to David Coulthard basically losing his goddamn mind in the commentary box and immediately throwing Vettel under the bus for what happened on turn one. Um, yeah, C4 were very Hamilton heavy this this past weekend in their highlight packages. Why, why not? <laughs> why? Like, like, to which my response to Danny is, are you new here? Um, <laughs> British TV is going to British TV. Like, like, if you're surprised at this, I don't know why you're still watching F1. <laughs> just, just saying, man. Um, Sid Kumar asks, "What is what is Kvyat's best option apart from the possibility of getting the Williams seat?" Well, it's a strange thing because if he gets the Williams seat, it means Williams and Martini have to bend their hard and fast rule of twenty-five and up because Kvyat oh, it, it, turns twenty-four like, next year, and so does yeah. Pascal Verline. Like again, it's it's not Martini's rule. Like it's like it's something that they can't bend. Like it is it is the rules. It's a hard and fast rule, um, so that's a no. And I don't think he's going to end up anywhere else. But hey, that might be the best for Danil at this point. Like he he's as mentioned, he's twenty three. He's a podium level finisher in Formula One. He beat Daniel Ricciardo head to head. The guy is quality. He just needs. A team that actually appreciates he him beat for, for once. Carlos signs in the same team in GP3. Yeah. He is still very good, but he needed to get out of Red Bull. At least for a little bit. Just for a little bit. You know that SP LMP1 project? I know it's. Mm. Well, I know, yeah. It's it's LMP1 in a weird transition period where there's only got to be one manufacturer and a bunch of privateers who may or may not be any good. But it's something. True, very true. Scott. Again, I think Kivitz he just this needs to be somewhere where he's appreciated. Something with Felipe Massa. But, oh, I'm just joking. Um, Go into esports. <sighs> do we want? Do we want Daniel Kvyat in esports? Oh God! Like we're gonna have like. WTF1 corrupt him. I don't think that's good for anybody. Um, Evan but I mean, and underscore MK asks, do you agree that F1 is too focused on making the cars fast rather than producing good racing? Yeah, we uh, kind of already touched upon this. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> hard and fast, yes. Um, for reasons mentioned earlier. Um... Our boy Charles hashtag not your son Reginald asks, um, why did you complain about Mexico being a piss poor track to race on when you defend Sochi despite it being a far duller race this year? My answer to that is they're both piss poor tracks to race on. I'm an equal opportunity hater. <laughs> Any further comments? No. Nah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> end of discussion. He's still not your son, Charles. Sorry. Um, 
And our wee Scottish lass, wee Zoe, asks the last question of this, the, the mailbag this week. When will we face the fact that I'm really Dre's Glaswegian alter ego? Fellas? I, I thought this was already established canon. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that's like why the constant attempts at murder were happening, because there can only be one. Well, listen, we're both planning on going to Goodwood next year, so we'll find out if we really are just the same person. Like, we'll we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll know very quickly. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, the I similarities was, are alarming, I will say. <laughs> it was Zoe who shared, like, um, one of the greatest... <laughs> one of the greatest things here... Um... <laughs> That Scott Ditson has a code word for oh. love making, and it's oh. thank you for the pancakes. <laughs> I put in the Discord earlier, like Scott lo- Scott loves syrup on his pancake, and I was just like, oh god, did I just realized oh that. I didn't realize what I just said until I actually said it. I was like, yeah, I. This is, this is from the. Uh, this was apparently from the 2008 IndyCar Series postseason awards banquet. Yeah, and he said it live in his speech in front of everybody in the room. Scott Dixon, ladies and gentlemen. He Scott likes Dixon. his pancakes. Scott Dixon has no filter. Just check out his uh, now-deleted response to bots. <laughs> Hang on. Apparently he has, he has no problem sharing that he runs the high downforce configuration. A a bot asked him if he was circumcised, and I believe the response he used to have before it was deleted was something along the lines of 100% prime New Zealand beef. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you replied 100% uncut New Zealand beef. (laughs) Scott Dixon. The champion you want is in the head of your series. <laughs> we're tr- we're we're immature. Yeah, because to be fair, his wife's not much better. <laughs> now, now I can now I can understand why Emma gets this way. Yeah, like the quote the other day of looked at some pics on IndyCar.com of Scott Dixon. He is cuddling, laughing, or whispering to Dario Franchitti in seventy percent of them. Love me, thinks. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, like, somebody tweeted her saying, nothing screams success at a racetrack like dudes kissing. <laughs> and then Emma goes, I agree. Don't you think we need more PDA in IndyCar? <laughs> I mean, do we? I say we can't have enough, quite frankly. We can never have enough of that shit. Um, also, Zoe wanted us to mention this before we go off the air as I was at, and finally for the night. Have anyone seen new Will- Will's new epic top design? No, I haven't. God, Will Power has a new shirt. Yep, and it's a prominent fe- and a prominent feature of it is it's in reference to probably Will Power's fa- most famous uh, viral moment. Double birds. Yes, sir. Double birds. It's it's great. I'm gonna try and put up a link just before we go. God damn you, Will Power! Where's your sight? Ugh. Oh dear. But uh, yeah, go find it, King, when you get a chance. It's great. <laughs> okay. Hang on. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. Give me a second. <laughs> We're doing this in real time. These are yes. live, live sad reacts only. Hang <laughs> sad on. Sad reacts only. Yep. 
Incoming in the chat in three, two, one. <laughs> oh my god, double thirsty. <laughs> Very clever. Very clever, Will. I love it. I see what you did, <laughs> And on that note, it's time to end, I think. <laughs> um, I think we've... The wonderful way we wrap it up. Dick jokes. We're a mature podcast of professionals, of course. Um, a, of course we are. This is a very serious podcast because motorsport is very serious. Indeed. And, and dignified. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, but yeah, okay. thanks for listening, everybody. Um, places you can find us real quick one more time. YouTube.com forward slash motorsport101. Facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101, at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. That's it, two Ks. Our website, motorsport101.net. There's a brand new blog post I put up there a couple of days ago, by the way, talking about World Superbikes. Read, their... yeah, read, read it. Yeah, read it. Yeah, it's all about World Superbikes and their new homologation rules to, in what I like to call Operation Slowdown Jonathan Ray. Um, more of that will, will inevitably on Bike Live coming up this weekend. As mentioned, we'll be talking all about Sepang and those controversial new World Superbike rule changes. Um, that will be fun. And remember, if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Five bucks gets you early access to both this show and Bike Live. I've been Andre Harrison, they've been Ryan King and RJ O'Connell. Thank you very much for listening, and I will catch you guys next time. Sayonara. stop bring in yeah. the goat <laughs> <laughs>